Welcome to the Why Your Relationships Suck podcast, a podcast about creating strong relationships with courage and heart. Here we explore what gets in the way of the relationships we yearn for, the relationships to ourselves, those we love, and as fully expressed leaders in the world. We look for gold in our most tragic relationship experiences, share our intimate stories and the steps we took to overcome some of the most common relationship challenges many of us face. Our commitment is you learn something about yourself, which allows you to open up to new awarenesses and get into action. As in most relationships, we never truly know what we're in for. Sometimes it's smooth sailing, and other times it gets just a little bit messy. Now here's your host, Bob Conlon. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, I am so excited to be here. My name is Bob Conlon. I am a life, love, and leadership champion, author, coach, trainer, renegade human transformer, and a professional certified coach with the International Coach Federation. Today's guests, yes, that's plural, guests, are Bennett and Steph Williamson. They are a married couple, and they also happen to both be transformational coaches. They were married in 2013, both graduates of Accomplishment Coaching. And the impact that they're committed to have on the world as a couple is sharing the possibility of reinvention. In 2019, they were on the edge of divorce. They had one hell of a year, and on New Year's Eve 2020, they got remarried to celebrate the reinvention they created together. Steph and Bennett, I am so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Man, that introduction gets me all misty-eyed already. Yeah. I love What's it. coming up for you, Bennett? Oh, I love it. I think it's, um, uh, well, one, I know uh, Steph kind of put those words down, so <laughs> I know she does a good job of describing it. Um, but I think it's true. I think it, it speaks to like, man, we had a tough year in 2019 and like really went through quite a, quite some ups and downs and really, really turned it around and like just are in such a freaking amazing place now. And it's because of the work that we were willing to put in. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Any rebuttal there, Steph? <laughs> no, I know I'm a good writer. You're welcome, Bennett. He didn't read anything that I submitted to you, Bob, so it'll all be a surprise for him. Yes. Nice. Nice. <laughs> cool. So the title of the podcast is Why Your Relationships Suck. And if we just go ahead and jump right in, I'd love to hear like both sides of the story of why your relationship or your marriage sucked. Mm. You want me to start, Bennett? I do. It's always on the tip of my tongue. That's true. Um, so <clears throat> what, what really got me in life was I felt super alone in our relationship. Things looked really fine on the outside. All of our friends thought that we were like the couple the cutest couple. They'd seen our relationship bloom for seven years, but on the inside, it just felt dull, boring, and kind of burdensome for me personally, because I was taking care of all the emotional labor. I was the one making all the decisions, the terrible cliche. I was the one wearing the pants and I was exhausted because I do that all day in my business, all day with all my teams that I lead. And then come home and do it at home without a lot of 
partnership from Bennett. And I was exhausted. I was like, look, if I'm working this hard, I can do this on my own. I don't know why I'm still here. And it, that exhaustion and burnout really had me question things that, yeah, that got a little messy, a little complicated. Yeah, sure. God, I bet. Bennett, what was like, what was your experience of what was going on? Um, you like really- the total, like, I had no idea any of this was happening. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think, I think that's accurate. Uh, definitely <laughs> to a sense. Um, yeah, it's weird to kind of look back and see, see how, how it felt in our relationship. I think, um, you know, we were in a spot where there was tension, there was kind of uncertainty. Like we weren't really like just day to day. It felt like, man, okay, this is, this is a lot of work and it feels like it's not really like, we're not really feeling connected. And I think for me, there was a lot of, um, you know, I had been getting into more self-awareness work from, you know, for, my own transformation and my own life. And I just didn't know what to do with it all. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I feel, you know, all these feelings or I feel like man, our relationship is not where it once was. And I found myself kind of longing for that honeymoon phase of when we first started, which of course was something that really would set Steph off anytime I referenced it. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, just this feeling of like, I don't know where to go or I don't know what to do with this and feeling very much like, I don't feel like I have the capacity or maybe this isn't meant to be. Maybe, you know, maybe we're correct in, in taking a look at ending this, but just knowing that that felt so incredibly painful to even Mm -hmm. consider. And I think that's a lot of what we uncovered when we started getting into this space of our relationship of we never even allowed ourselves to contemplate the idea of divorce, both based on our own upbringings with my parents being divorced when I was, you know, just coming into a teenager and just witnessing that like pain and that just kind of destruction that it brought. I realized I was not ever willing to accept that as a possibility because I didn't want to like become my parents and see that happen. And my parents came from a super Catholic background where it's just, that's not a thing. We don't even know. Divorces, not an option. Mm -mm. And that had us both just settle in a unsatisfactory relationship for probably a couple of years. We weren't really as fulfilled by it. It was fine. We had fun. We were, we're best friends still, Mm -hmm. but the, the depth of the relationship that we wanted was kind of missing. And because we weren't willing to have no be on the table, yes, wasn't really fully on the table either. Sure. Sure. So it sounds like, it sounds like you were both having your own experience or lack of fulfillment inside the relationship. Yeah, I would say that's, that's accurate. And I think it just kind of, you know, it manifested a little bit differently for each of us. For me, it was very much like, you know, I felt like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong or, you know, or the, the opposite of, oh my God, I am the problem. I'm a terrible husband. And like, how can I not be better at this? Right. Uh, But still very much like not feeling, okay, well, what is there to be done about it? I'm not sure. Sure. And I was the bad guy pointing to all the ways it wasn't working. 
I was the one who were like, this doesn't work and this doesn't work and this doesn't work and this doesn't work. And there's a breakdown over there. And can't you see all of this dummy? <laughs> and meanwhile, both of us are absolutely right. And, you know, therefore yes. just like consistently butting heads against each other. Yeah. So it sounds like, like, were you, were you both having, you're both having your experience of like not getting your needs met or not being fulfilled, not having the experience of relationship that you wanted, but were you both talking about that or were you like kind of just stewing on it and creating your own stories and interpretations by yourself? So it would typically go in this sort of fashion of I would get into a pattern of like, okay, there haven't been any big blowups lately. Everything must be getting better. So I'm just going to go with that. And uh, then uh, just kind of, you know, hoping <laughs> that things are working all right, even though not really putting any specific intention towards, you know, engaging in those conversations. And then something would happen and Steph would, uh, you know, something that I would do would set her off or, or she would actually, you know, get to a point that it's just like, you can't take this anymore. Like, why is this, why is this not changing? And then it would, be pointed out to me and she would get to a point of just raging on me for being an idiot. Yeah. Kind of. That sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what it really took was a lot of self-awareness and willingness. Like I wasn't willing to even look at how unsatisfied I was in my marriage until shout out to Rodney who just kept standing for me as one of my leaders. Like there's something not full about the stuff like there's something missing for you and he just kept asking me questions about everything and anything and once I was finally willing to get present to it and declare the breakdown which is our coachy language but like say yeah you're right I'm not as satisfied as I want to be in my marriage or I'm not even really that happy there that's when um I allowed the experience I was having to be named and then feel it fully. Yeah. I love that. It, it's um, like having someone who's not in it, if that makes sense, like point to it, point to what they actually see as happening that you might be blind to or not be so present to of like the, the heartbreak of it all. Right. Like of not having this experience that you want inside of this what could be or should be like this lifelong commitment, right? And then have someone else from the outside point to that. It's like equal parts terrible and equal parts like, oh, now that we know it's there, we can do something about it. There's actually an awareness that generates some new possibility. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So who, who started the conversation? Who was like, hey, <laughs> something has to change or we got to do something. Who was that person? That, that was, was me. Yep, yeah. <laughs> That was absolutely me. It was um, uh, getting really present to what was feeling out of integrity in my life that brought the conversation that I needed to have with myself. And then with the support of people around me, like actually having that conversation with Bennett. Um, yeah, it was terrifying. And I think I had to have the conversation with him for about three or four months before he was willing to hear it. Mm -hmm. which that was extremely painful and made me feel even more alone and solidified that divorce was the right answer. I was like, dude, I've been pointing to this and you can't even see it. You're not even willing to look. This doesn't work for me. 
Yeah, that, that's definitely accurate. It was, you know, the when she first brought out the conversation and each time she did, it was, you know, incredibly just like a, you know, punch in the chest and painful and like, oh my God, how could we get to this place? And, you know, at the same time, I wasn't really sure what was next. And again, it was easy to get back into that old pattern of, well, we haven't had any blowups this week. Maybe it is getting better. Um, but I was definitely at a place for a while that, I, yeah, I was unwilling to accept that something mm -hmm. needed to change drastically um, and that I needed to address something, you know, and how I was showing up in the relationship. And it just, yeah, it, it kind of kept bringing up those painful conversations until I was actually willing to be with it and then get some more support around it. Yeah. I'm just present to like how, how it probably occurred, like, Oh, there's something wrong with me or I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one day it'll just go away and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. And then you have like your partner, like, no, it's not fine. Like, come meet me. Let's do this work together. Let's figure something out. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it's re this conversation is reminding me so much of my first marriage. Like I'm, I'm just recalling so many, times when um my wife and i sat down and had conversations probably very similar to the ones you had and i just could not i could hear it but i couldn't do anything about it and it ultimately led to us you know having a very amicable divorce but um it was just that turning point opportunity where you know your partner is saying hey something has to change and can you can you change with me or mm -hmm. if not you know we have to go other routes. Yeah. I think it's interesting because it feels like it's a, you know, it's a situation that we probably deal, you know, that I think a lot of couples probably deal with more nowadays of, you know, okay, here we are having this conversation, identifying that something is not working, that we're not happy with how it's going. And we know something needs to be done, but we don't know what the next step is. And we don't really have a good example to draw from. Like, I don't feel like I was given a good example growing up. Because um, people don't talk about it. Yeah. They don't talk about these fights and the almost divorces. And we don't hear those stories. Or I don't. I never did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. I think it's a it's one of those like, oh, it's taboo, like, you know, keep it within the relationship and, you know, don't talk about it socially. Only talk about it with your therapist if you even right. have the, you know, the wherewithal to actually choose that as a support right. structure. Right. Or you're oh, you're working on something. What's wrong? Or you're yeah. seeing a couple therapist. What's wrong? Yeah. Or we're seeing lots of more examples of, you know, OK, well, then it ended in divorce. Like, oh, yeah, I've totally been there, seen that happen and didn't go well for us, which doesn't yeah. really instill confidence. in People getting their stuff on us was the worst because oh, I would I shared with my uh, I love my mom to pieces, but I shared with her one day and she like said some very like set your needs aside and stick with the commitment. Mm -hmm. and I broke, I think I've never stopped talking to my mom for more than like a day, but there was like five days where I was like unwilling to talk to my mom because it felt really like Catholic guilt and like this old version. And it was just her doing the best with what she had and how she handles some of this stuff that comes up in her life. But that's not how I handle it in my life. 
So people's advice or people's like not quite empathy, more like sympathy really messed with us during this. So it's hard to share when you're in the middle of it because then you have to deal with other people's thoughts, feelings, and fears about their own relationships or how it's gone for them or how they've seen it happen before. Yeah. Which then leaves... Oh, go ahead, Bennett. Oh, I was just going to say, and I I feel like that's especially true for men, uh, maybe even more so too, because you think about the interactions you have with most of your male friends and man, if you bring up anything relationship-wise, like you could tell, you could physically tell, I think most men who are not, you know, used to having these types of conversations and being open and vulnerable like that, like get physically uncomfortable, you know, and they may be there for you and empathetic and like, oh man, that sucks. I hear you. Do you want another beer? Or like, <laughs> let's go watch the game. And it's just kind of like, it's very quick to like brush it off and not actually be there to hold and provide support because I just don't think we're taught how. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very intimate and vulnerable conversation that is hard to be in and hard to be in with just genuine curiosity for the other person. So Mm -hmm. it's like, we want to, Hey, do this thing or, (laughs) you know, stick with your commitment or she'll get over it or whatever, you know, you need to be a better this or that, right? Like Mm -hmm. all this advice that we get, um, is likely pointing to the person who's giving it like their own insecurities or their own inability to kind of access what they actually need because they, they, it wasn't modeled for them either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like blazing new territory here. Steph, I want to go back to, um, the, the hard conversation mm-hmm. when you knew it was time to have the hard conversation and how hard that was for you. Just share a little bit about that. Well, the biggest thing is I knew it would devastate Bennett. I knew it would like tear him up inside to hear how unhappy I was. But I wasn't willing to keep that a secret anymore because it didn't change how unhappy I was or how unfulfilled I I was feeling. So I knew I had to say something, but how do you say that? Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually in San Diego on a training weekend when my team was standing for me to not hide this anymore. And I was like, dudes, I'm not calling him and having this conversation. And they're like, well, are you reliable to do it when you get home? And they knew I wasn't. So it took all day of people coaching and standing for me to even call him and tell him that we needed to have a real conversation. I tried to get him to fly to San Diego too. I think I was like, do you want to come to San Diego so we can talk, which is just weird, (laughs) right? I was trying to strategize to make it easier. Basically I was trying to strategize, say the right things so I can minimize the impact of the conversation that needed to be had, or at least the first time. Um, And when I did share it, it didn't really land. And I think part of that was because we were over the phone but also just it's, it was so big and so far outside of Bennett's awareness that I felt um, unseen and unmet in those moments. And so I felt kind of a failure the first time. Okay. I just made him sad for no reason. Damn, that sucks. Like that's how I felt. And then I had to bring it up over and over again, even though I knew it was like the analogy I might use is it was like, 
stabbing his heart. Like I got to have another one of these. And I felt like the bad guy, which was the context and also a lot of um, therapeutic healing I was doing around is feeling like the bad guy in the relationship. Cause I'm always willing to get messy. I think I've been willing to get messy my whole life to get what I wanted. And so I was willing to be messy with somebody that I made a story up, wasn't willing to get messy. So I was like, well, I'm going to make a mess and this is going to make him sad and this isn't going to go anywhere. So from that context or that story for me of this isn't going to go anywhere, it really wasn't going anywhere. I just kept saying mean shit over and over. Yeah. And, and basically hurting him and hurting me in the process. Yeah. Yeah, our survival mechanisms play very well together <laughs> because then mine is, you know, immediately triggered of not good enough and, you know, small and, and not worthy. And so being poked like that just is very easy to send me down into a shame spiral and just feel like, oh, my God, you're right. It is all my fault. Like, what's wrong here? It's definitely me. That's what's the problem. Which is funny because I never said it was him. Exactly. Like, I'm very clear that what was wrong in the relationship or why it sucked wasn't him or me. It was the dynamic. And so I kept trying to point to that, but when he's glossed over, cause he's just in pain and I just keep talking at him, it's not sinking in. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Imagine like just the amount of, I mean, really courage to like bring up that conversation stuff and then Bennett to like be with it over and over again. Yeah. It took we some time before I was actually willing to be with it. <laughs> sure. I bet. Yeah, I bet. And we had a lot of support. We both have our own coaches. We both had our own therapists and we had a couples therapist. And then further through the year, as we started really doing the work to, to shift it, we, I had women's groups, he had men's groups, we had co-ed groups. We surrounded our, I don't want to share with you how much money I spent on the amount of support we got, but it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. And we were just willing to try things we'd never tried before. Things in the realm of coaching, therapy, spirituality, sexuality, yoga, breath work uh, we took it all on all of it nice yeah yeah I, I i talk to a lot of couples and singles in some form of a relationship breakdown or in, in some some experience of relationship that's been very challenging for them that they're either wanting to move through or move out of and I don't think I could stress enough, like how important it is to get that outside help, you know, absolutely outside professional help, whether that's therapists or counselors or coaches or groups, um, trying to figure this out on your own and, <laughs> or with the aids of friends and family who have their own history and dysfunction relationship, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, just, it just prolongs the pain. It just prolongs the unknown and the discomfort for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And having people who are willing. So the biggest thing that I learned, and I think Bennett and I've talked about it and share this a little bit is we had to learn to do our own work, our own, um, like I had to do the dynamic that we wanted to shift. I had to practice that new way of being without him. 
So this kind of gets into the, the work that we did take on, which was a lot of masculine and feminine energetics, because I had been taking up a lot of the masculine role in our relationship. And I so desired to be the feminine role. That's like all my body, my spirit wanted, but I was waiting for him to show up in the masculine so I could get to be the feminine. And that's not like, we actually had to go practice separate, even with other people. Sometimes at some of the workshops we were at practicing me embodying the feminine without it being based on Bennett at all, the way he would show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was interesting because we had to undo a lot of, you know, automatic routines that we had settled into over the course of our relationship development, where that shift kind of naturally happened is as, you know, Steph got into her business and got into, you know, a successful coaching and, you know, being, you know, being a leader on, uh, you know, various AC teams, like that was just who she had to show up for, you know, her clients and for the work that she was doing was being in that masculine and being very self-generating and, and decisive. And for me, it was being with a very strong independent woman and seeing her very be, you know, being very self-sufficient and it kind of opened up this door for me that I now know I didn't know at the time was allowing me to then relax more into, you know, my feminine side and just be like, Oh, cool. Yeah. You have that handled, like go do it. I'm whatever you need. Um, I'll be happy as long as you're taken care of. And, you know, I finally get after years of not understanding it, the, why the phrase happy wife, happy life is just like such bullshit. <laughs> oh my God. I wanted to barf every time he said it. And he said it for the first six years of our marriage. Yeah. I didn't even know what it like. I didn't oh even get it. I didn't get oh my upset, but I realize now <laughs> that it, it's ultimately just a, a way of saying, you know, and essentially foregoing my own needs and desires and wants and not even allowing them to exist yep. in service of, well, as long as my partner is happy, then that should be good enough for me. But and that's reality, a lot of pressure over here, so by much. the way. Yeah. And I, I didn't even understand that. It took a long time. And then to start doing the masculine, feminine, energetic work to realize what sort of a burden and a toll that was having me place on Steph. That it was really unfair for me to do that. And meanwhile, you know, ultimately the thing that is going to generate that kind of, you know, intimacy and sexual polarity and excitement and passion is asking, you know, it's really the world asking of me to step in and actually exercise and practice more in the masculine role in the relationship. And, you know, this isn't just, you know, heterosexual roles. It could be uh, whoever the masculine or more feminine partner is stepping up into that to be more decisive and to lead both of us more in the relationship was ultimately what both of us had been wanting. And I didn't even realize that until I started getting into that type of work and taking that, even though it was uncomfortable because I'd been out of practice for several years, um, really is the big part of what made the shift in our relationship to where it is now. Yeah. And I had to let him, I had to let him and let go of control and let him lead me badly mm -hmm. and not complain about it. Like it was, it was such an interesting practice for both of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you give us an example? Like what does, 
you know, like a masculine practice or a feminine practice look like? So, um, I mean, really the idea of, of kind of like the energetic masculine is, you know, providing the structure. I like to think of that the masculine is there to provide the container and to set up the structure to allow the feminine to relax and to just be with whatever, you know, energy, whatever moods, whatever flow comes through. And the masculine is there to hold the structure to say like, yeah, within, you know, these bounds or, you know, from this time to this time, you know, this is what we're going to go do. You know, we're going to go have dinner. You know, this is what we're going to do afterwards. This is what I, you know, see us planning out for the week. It's creating those structures and making those decisions and then checking in, you know, with a feminine and seeing how the feminine responds to it. And it's like, it sounds kind of woo woo because it's like a little bit more feeling into Mm -hmm. each moment. But the challenge was for me is that I have to be willing to, you know, step beyond and be with my own fear of getting it wrong or my fear of failure to actually lean into that because I need to be, you know, it's, it's a practice of being decisive and setting out, okay, here's what we're going to go do. And maybe do going and doing that thing. She absolutely hates and doesn't like that doesn't reflect bad on me as long as I'm having myself outside of the context of, Oh, well, if she didn't like it, then I failed and I am bad. And feminine, and by the way, I'm just going to put this disclaimer in here. This is, we've been only working with these distinctions and this, this kind of work for a year. So I am not an expert at talking about this. We have teachers who hold this and teach us this and I get it wrong all the time. But from my understanding, the feminine is the energy in the relationship, the energy, the love, the emotion, the feeling. So we all have both, by the way, we don't get rid of them. But when you're in more of your feminine essence, you're in the feeling the surrendered state. So if he holds a container like, Hey babe, this is what we're doing tonight. Even if I don't like it, my only job is to express it. My only job is to be like, I'm not going to try to express over a podcast right now. I ain't going to work for me, but I had to let go of control and be surrendered and go with the flow. So flow is more of a feminine embodiment where container is more of the masculine and that's for the doing right like Bennett was saying we're going to dinner then we're going to dessert then we're going to come home and we're going to have sexy time the Mm -hmm. feminine is to surrender into that and just be in pleasure Mm -hmm. and to be in in the yeah the soft the surrendered space the one receiving and being able to move in that container and bring energy to the container Um, but it was really hard for me specifically because I'm a control freak. And (laughs) so having to surrender was, is still, I'm not going to say was like, I'm good at this now. (laughs) It's still one of the, the hardest things for me to fully relax and express how I am to not use my smart ass brain and my words to explain how I feel and all my stories about the situation, but to express with my body and my emotions and my feeling that is the the challenge but the thing that's been able to give us so much together Mm -hmm. that's great so if you could share you know maybe briefly like what's one thing that you ultimately learned about yourself in this experience Mm. 
I think that one of the biggest things that I learned about myself is just that like I have the capacity to take on a lot more than I ever gave myself credit for. And I think what I mean about that is like, I have the capacity to be with, you know, all of the ways that Steph can show up in our relationship and, you know, and whatever uh, feelings she's having um, that I can be with that and like love her entirely and not, um, not collapse, like not then immediately make it mean about me that I am, you know, bad or wrong. Like it was essentially breaking up that sort of context that I've lived with for so long. Um, and that I can be decisive and I can be mm. a leader in our relationship and that I can, you know, lead myself and the amazing strong woman that I'm sharing my life with. Nice. How about you, Steph? What's, what's one thing that you learned about yourself? That I have so many feelings. <laughs> I learned how to feel my feelings really deeply, um, which opened up things like intuition for me in a way that I had barely known before. And that expressing what I was feeling is actually the thing. I think I've been so used to suppressing it, but through this process, expressing what I feel, expressing how that feels in my body, how that feels in my spirit, how that feels in general has been life altering for me personally, just to feel it. But then to share it is a whole new level of vulnerability and courage and intimacy with my partner, but really anyone that I work with. Mm. Really present to this, this process of you both working on your marriage. It, it really got me present to like what you actually discovered about yourselves. There's a lot of personal work that went into this. We thought we needed oh, to yeah. do more work in our marriage and it was actually more separate work that made the difference than the together work. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was really the combination, you know, of the two of we each needed to be responsible for and take on, you know, our own understanding and, and, how we've been showing up in the relationship and how we actually, you know, what we actually wanted to create and be willing to go and get messy with ourselves so that we could come together and actually do the work together and then be, you know, have the foundation set so that when we do the work together, we got to a place where we could actually finally set down any of the history that we were mm -hmm. both bringing. Like it was, it was, what I mean by that is the history that each of us, you know, have had up until this time and the history of our relationship of, you know, where we were disappointed or where we were heartbroken or where we got angry at one another to actually be able to set down that history. And, and even the good stuff, having yeah. to set down, I don't know, even the frequency of how much we had sex when we first met, we had to set that down as our, as our bar. Mm -hmm. We just set down a lot of the, the history, good, bad, and ugly to be able to create something new, which is what, you know, reinvention really is, is allowing the past to be the past and not carry it with you. And you can create anything in the future together. And then we were able to do that and, and meet each other and see each other without that history attached. Then it just 
man made it dazzlingly, brilliantly clear the love and the desire that we do have for each other. And drawing from that place to fuel our relationship is just like worlds different. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing. And what would you, if you could advise our listeners, practice or take on or create or commit to in service of creating a more fulfilling relationship, what would you share? <laughs> Should we say this together? It's personal practice. Yeah. Daily, daily personal practice. So I do a daily practice to get into my body, to get into how I feel and what's going on for me. Just really that personal check-in and pleasure. Like I have a daily pleasure practice as well. That's about feeling good in my body and really like feeling myself. And I do that every day or almost every day. I'm not perfect. Let's be honest, but I try to do it every day. Yeah. Back to, back to that self work. How about you, Bennett? Yeah. And for me, it's, it's very similar. Like I get up, you know, early in the morning each day and give myself, you know, about a half an hour to 45 minutes, um, where I'm actually doing, it's a combination and depends on the day, but it's breath practices, meditation, you know, yoga, Kundalini. Um, but it's a practice around, yeah, getting into my body because I feel like it's very easy for, for men in general to actually feel very disconnected to your body. Um, so getting present that way and then doing some sort of practice that's actually uh, training my nervous system to be stronger through a little bit of, uncom- you know, of discomfort, sure. like holding, holding a pose that's kind of painful and breathing into it and knowing like, Hey, I can hold this and find the joy in it. Uh, but it's, it's practice and it's, it's training for, <laughs> for the things that you're going to face when you experience discomfort in an argument that you're having with your, you know, significant other. So that is above and beyond. Yeah. The thing I would recommend. Nice. Well, Stephen Bennett, it has been absolutely an honor and pleasure to be able to be in like this level of conversation with both of you. And I, I really acknowledge like the honesty and the vulnerability in each of your shares um, to, to be in that level of conversation with each other is extraordinary. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for making this space where people like, I know you said we might be one of your first couples, but that people can share what's really going on because I think it's impactful for us to share, but it'll likely land upon the ears of somebody who feels really alone in whatever they're struggling with right now. And that's all I hope that somebody can feel normal by hearing our story and see the hope that they couldn't have seen before. Yeah. I really appreciate having this space because it's, you know, even in my own experience, as men, like we can be pretty dense and pretty thick sometimes, <laughs> not, uh, not maybe even acknowledging the, you know, the pain or the, uh, you know, lack of fulfillment that we are feeling. And I think having these conversations, yeah, does open that window. And I think allows people to find that thread of obviously not being in the exact situation we have found ourselves, but some form of, of similarity or feeling that they could share with what we experienced. And maybe that means there's, there's hope for them as well. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, so for listeners, if you are in a relationship that you're struggling in and not knowing where to go, I think the the message today is that there is hope. Go inside, go deep within yourself, um, be in partnership with your partner, and um, just watch what happens. So, Stephen Bennett, thank you so much for your courage, vulnerability. Thanks for trusting me to be in this conversation with you, and thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thank you for listening to the Why Your Relationships Suck podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's guest and can't wait to have you back for our next episode. Be sure to hit subscribe. Links to our guests or any related content are below in the show notes. And if you want to take your own conversation deeper with Bob or have a story to tell that our listeners must hear, please reach out to Bob at conlincoaching.com.